Take your Bible, if you would please, today. For just a little while, I'm going to be preaching out of the book of John, John chapter number 1. But I want to just uh, remind you of our theme verse this year and uh, our theme for the year. And you'll find that in 1 Peter chapter number 1. And I'd just like to read it for you. And uh, we are reading a book together called In His Steps. It's a classic. I'm sorry the bookstore is out. We've ordered some more. And uh, they'll be here probably by next week. Uh, I would give you mine, but somebody came by the office Saturday and I gave it to him. So if you find him, he'll give it to you probably. But the book, In His Steps, is a tremendous, tremendous book. We adapted the theme this year back in our staff planning session of following in his steps this year. And the book is entitled His Steps. It'll be in the bookstore for a sole price of $2. Cost us $4, but we're selling it to you for $2. Because I have a philosophy, you buy high, sell cheap, and live on the bottom. <laughs> I don't know if that works or not, but that's what we're doing. And we would encourage everyone, teenagers, moms and dads, everyone to read this book. It's a life-changing book. And uh, I think it would be good if you'd read it. And the verse we adapted this year and the verse that that book is written around is 1 Peter chapter number 1. And verse number 21. But to get the context of the verse, it necessitates us to read verse number 20. And the Bible said, For what glory? Is it, if when you be buffeted for your faults, you shall take it patiently? But if when you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently? This is First Peter 1, verse 20, unless I'm in the wrong place. It's still First Peter, chapter 1. Is it verse Peter 2? Well, that's what I thought it was. I'm glad you folks are alert this morning. <laughs> well, if you'll hurry now and get to First Peter chapter 2, where I originally asked you to turn last week. Now watch this. And it's so, so very important. For what glory is it, or what benefit, when you be buffeted for your faults, you shall take it patiently. But if you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently. This is acceptable unto God. When you are treated wrongly because of your 
bad deeds. There's no glory in that. When you're spanked for doing bad, there's no glory in that. But when you are treated wrong, when you do well, God gets glory in that. When you are mistreated for well-doing, when you're doing the best you can and things don't work out, when you come upon those circumstances, notice, this is acceptable with God. For even hereunto were ye called. We were called to be treated wrong because they treated our Savior wrong. We are called to be buffeted because they buffeted him. So Christians are called to be like Christ. And Christ came to suffer wrong that we might be right. For hereunto were ye called. Watch this. Make sure we're in the right book now. When, for even hereunto were we called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us a what? An example that ye should follow his steps. And this year, your church has chosen the theme of following in his steps. The book that we have recommended made famous this saying, what would Jesus do? Before we act, before we react, if we would ask ourselves that question and be committed to his will, this world would be a lot better off. And so what would Jesus do in relation to stewardship? What would Jesus do in relation to our parenting? What would Jesus do in relation to our church attendance? What would Jesus do in relation to how we treat one another? What would Jesus do in regards to how we treat the poor? How, what would Jesus do? I think that's a good question. How about you? I think that is a tremendous question. And so today... I'd like to bring you a message entitled, What Would Jesus Do If the World Needed a Savior? 
asking. It's a good question. If you don't need Jesus to get to heaven, then why did he die? If anybody here can get to heaven without Christ, God made a severe mistake. Because the Bible said he came to suffer for us. So I just wanted to pose the question to you today. I thought that looked real good. What would Jesus do if the world needed a Savior? Could I narrow it down a little? What would Jesus do if only Texans needed a Savior? He would have been in a bigger hurry, I'm sure. What would Jesus do if only Joshua needed a Savior? What would have Jesus done if only we here in this auditorium this morning needed a Savior? What, if, what would Jesus have done if your family, if only your family, does Jesus love your family enough to die just for your family? What would have Jesus done if I had been the only sinner in the world? What would Jesus have done? Could I please it make it more personal? What would Jesus have done if you, yes, you, yeah, yeah, you, been the only sinner in the world, what would Jesus have done? John 1, chapter 1. Shall we answer that question? What Jesus would do if this world needed a Savior? John 1 says, in the beginning was the Word. Word? Yes, Word. What is a Word? A Word is an expression. A Word is the way we express ourselves. There are angry words. There's gentle words. There's loving words. There's critical words. But regardless of what you say, word is how we express. In the beginning was the word, the expression of God. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. What would Jesus do if you were the only person in the world that was going to hell? And all things were made by him, the word. 
Now the word is an expression using a personal pronoun, him. And the words, all things were made by him. And without him, not anything made that was made. And in him, the word now, was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Verse 9, we'll jump John the Baptist. That was the true light of which lighteth every man cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, gave he the power to become what? Sons of God. That's better that's better than snuff and ain't near as dusty, amen. Even to him that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. What would Jesus do if the world needed a Savior? And the Word, which was with God and which was God, dwelling in eternity past with no beginning And the Word that was with God and the Word that was God was made flesh. Stinking, corruptible, dying, hurting flesh. He who was without beginning now has begun. He who knows nothing but eternity now knows the present. What would Jesus give up for one of us to be saved? Heaven. What would Jesus do if he thought one of our precious teenagers would end up in hell. Oh, he would give up all that heaven has to offer. He'd step off his ivory throne. He'd step on the golden staircases of eternity and walk down through time into a little stable in Bethlehem. And there the word would become flesh. That every individual in this place 
might have an opportunity to spend eternity with him in heaven. What would Jesus do? If this world needed a Savior, and the Word became flesh, well, that's hard to imagine. Can you imagine a buzzard becoming a butterfly? A beautiful tulip becoming a cactus? A beautiful bird becoming a rattlesnake? Can you imagine what power it took for God to become flesh? But the Word became flesh, and we beheld His glory as not one of the begotten sons of God, but the only begotten Son. Watch this now full of grace and truth. I'm glad that our God is full of grace, aren't you? Because without grace, not one of us are going to heaven. But without truth, without truth, there's no way to get there. Oh, how unbalanced this world is become when it comes to Jesus. He not only is full of grace, but he's full of truth. Grace does not say that black and white equals gray. Truth says black is black and white is white. Grace does not say, if you become gray, I'll accept you. Grace says, I accept you, regardless if you are black or white. Isn't that something? What would Jesus do if the world needed the Savior? John here is speaking of an earth-shaking event. The earth-shaking event is when the infinite became an infant. He who stepped on the ledge of nothing and spoke, and all the worlds became what they are today, has become a tiny baby in a manger. He who spoke and all the worlds were thrown into existence now is dependent upon a mother or he'll die. He who holds it all together with the word of his power is now powerless. Wow. So that you might be saved so that a wretched worm like me could be saved. What would Jesus do if you needed a Savior? 
I think that's a pretty good question. Without this event, all of life is meaningless. Without this event, our future is nothing but a six-foot hole in a graveyard someplace decorated by a tombstone. Without this event, Christmas would be just another holiday of shopping. Without this event, you would remove Christ from society. And by the way, how can you remove Christ from society and have a Christian nation? The Bible said, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. I just believe because of the growing spiritual ignorance in our land today, there's an attempt to separate us from anything that is godly, biblical, Christ-like, or thereabout. And I think, bless your heart, it's working. Several years ago, great preacher D.M. Stearns was preaching in Philadelphia. And when he had concluded his message, a stranger walked up to him and said, Sir, I do not like how you're always preaching about the death of Christ. He said, Why cannot you present Christ as a great teacher or a great example instead of a crucified, dying Savior? Dr. Stearns asked the man, Well, if I presented Christ as an example and a teacher, would you accept He said, I sure would. He said, well, let's start with this. He did no sin. How are you going to handle that? The fellow said, well, I recognize that I'm a sinner. Dr. Stern said, then, what you don't need an example, what you need is a Savior. Are you a sinner? Have you, come in, have you come short of what God would want you to be? Well, preacher, I'm not so bad in relation to whom? How about in relation to Christ? Well, preacher, I, I do pretty good. Yeah, well, the Bible said you should love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, and all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. Do you love your neighbor like you love yourself? You say, yes, I do, until I see his dog in my yard. <laughs> see, if you don't love God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your mind, You've broken the first commandment. And you've broken one of them. The Bible said you're guilty of all. Could it be that Jesus saw you and saw that you 
needed a Savior and that you were so important to him, the question would be asked, what would he do if he saw you like that? I'll tell you what he'd do. God would come a man. God would pay your bill at Calvary. Now, a lot of folks really don't understand what took place. First of all, I want you to look at that text, and it's ten minutes till. I rest assured, and I can assure you, the Cowboys are not playing. <laughs> Sorry. Lord, forgive me. I should not say that. I, I should have said they hadn't played all year, but I didn't do Somebody said the other day, they're a lot better cowboy players than you are a preacher. I said, I'll agree to that. All right. The first thing I'd like to show you today, please watch this, the reality of Christ. Christ is not a nightmare. He's not a dream. Not a figment of somebody's imagination. Not somebody that Hollywood makes a lot of money when they portray him. A cross is not something you hang about your neck to ward off vampires the next time you see one. Could I please enter the realm of reality? It's real. I know it's real. He's real. I know he's real. He lives within my heart. Notice the reality of Christ in verse number 1. And in verse, I read for you verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. When is the beginning? Genesis chapter number 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You say, when was the beginning? In the beginning is just before and after the beginning. Well, was the beginning 60 million years ago when dinosaurs was chasing bumblebees through the bushes? If that's what you want to believe, that's fine. If you want to believe the earth is millions and millions and millions of years old, have at it. I'm just going to say, in the beginning, God. And before there was a beginning, God was there. So in the beginning, God said, what's this? Genesis 1.26, let us make man in our image. Us. Us. And in Genesis 11, when Nimrod and all the... Rods got together and started conspiring. God said, let us go down there and confound their language. Us? Us? In the beginning, the word was one of the uses. Because the word was with God, and the Word was God, and all things were created by us. 
That's a reality. The Bible said, in the beginning, and the same was in the beginning with God. The infant has become the finite. The finite now has become the infant. And in the beginning, God created everything. And the Word, the expression of God, was the Creator. The reality of the thing. Well, I believe in God, I just don't believe in Christ. I know you've heard that. Could I please read for you something in the book of Colossians chapter 1 in relation to the Word becoming an infant, but before he did, he created the stall that the infant was born in. Colossians chapter 1, I read for you now just a moment, and I want you to watch this. The Bible said, verse 13, Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have, what, redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin who is the image of the invisible God. You got that? Who is the image of the invisible God. Reality. It's hard for you and I to think in spirit terms. I don't know. Does anybody here know what a spirit looks like? Has anybody here ever sat down and had conversation with a ghost? How would I relate to something I cannot see? How could my mind relate to the infinite? How could the finite relate to the infinite? So God worked it out to where we who are finite, who are flesh, who are matter, how we can relate to a spirit God. The Bible said God is spirit. Is that not so? I said, is that not so? I do not want to relate to a ghost. I, I don't know if I've ever been confronted with demon possession or not. But I have seen folk that I think was awful close. Someone called me one time and said, Preacher, uh, my son just returned from Vietnam, and uh, I, we actually believe that he's demon-possessed. Some strange voices come out of him and saying things that they, you know, we do not understand. And I said, You want me in the same room? with a demon all by myself? You want me in there? Yes. Let me give you a good answer. No. But I went anyhow. It's a weird dude. I don't know if he had a chemical imbalance. I don't know if he was smoking some crazy weed. I don't know if he'd been sniffing somebody's 
apple cider, I don't know. But he was a weird dude. Voices coming out of him. If they were as big as it sounded, I had no business in the room with that dude. I didn't know what to do. I was scared. You say, well, I'll tell you what I'd have done. Well, wait till I get the call next time. I'll give you a ring. <laughs> Me and you will go, and I'll watch you handle that dude. Hmm? And I did not know what to do. He is quoting more scripture than I was. And a lot more accurate because I was missing some words occasionally because I was scared to death. And I didn't know what to do. I had a gun. I could have shot him, I guess. Lied about it. And I don't know why. But I reached my pocket and took out my New Testament. And was going to start witnessing to it. Because that's just always good to do. And I took the New Testament and I reached over to him and I said, Here, look at this verse. And he was scared of that book. He was he would not touch it. He wouldn't even look at it. He'd quote it, but he won't look at it. He wouldn't touch it. I said, <laughs> You afraid of this? I run that guy through the whole house. I ran into the bathroom and said, stick your head in there and I'll flush it. <laughs> but he was afraid of the word. I don't know how to deal with the spirit. I, I'm, I'm afraid of spirits. I, I, I don't know how to do that. So God saw me in my ignorance and said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I will become flesh so that you can identify with me. And his name will be Jesus, and he will be the express image of the invisible God. What would Jesus do if he knew you and I needed a tangible, visible, fleshly individual to identify with? Well, i tell you what he'd do. Word would become flesh. And that which is invisible would become a reality in a manger in Bethlehem. The angel said, His name shall be called Emmanuel, being interpreted God with us. <laughs> That's better than snuff and ain't near as dusty. The reality. The reality. In Genesis 3, everything was beautiful. Everything was bright. Sun was shining. And Satan slivered into the garden and spoke to Eve. And Eve disobeyed God. And Adam followed her. And darkness fell upon the garden. Darkness. So dark, they could not find God any longer. What would Jesus do 
if he looked down through all of eternity and saw a world so dark and so sinful that we are afraid to let our babies go out at night by themselves. What would Jesus do if he looked down and saw the darkness so bad that we need to carry pistols and shotguns to protect our family? What would he do with a dark, dismal world like that? Can I please suggest to you? Word would become flesh. And in him is the life of men. And the life lit up this old dark world and showed us the way back to God. What would Jesus do if this world was so dark and dismal? that we could not find our way back home, he would come and leave us an example and say, follow in my footsteps. The reality. Man, this, this is pretty good preaching. Even if I am good. You know, be as old as I am, I ought not be able to preach that good. Hope they're taping it. I might listen to it after a while. The reality. Hey, it's real, man. It's real. And it gets realer more close to heaven I get. Hey, man, buddy. Bless your heart with murder. Keep preaching like that. Jesus came into a world of spiritual darkness, if you please, and opened the curtains of grace so that you can see the way home. Oh, yes. <laughs> What would Jesus do if he saw a world so dark and dismal that sinners could not find the way home? Could I please suggest to you that the Word would become flesh and we could behold his glory <laughs> as the only begotten of the Father? Full of grace and truth. Oh, but could I please put a dim picture? Not only the reality, it's five minutes after. That sure is a fast clock. Well, Sean, just reach over and move it back for five minutes, would you? Verse 10 now. I want to close. The rejection. Jesus. He knew that he would come into his own and his own would not receive him. No surprise because he came to suffer and be rejected of men. No surprise that the anguish and pain would be unbearable he foresaw and foresaw in the garden when he began to pray the night before his crucifixion. And as he suffered and prayed and from the pores of his very skin, as it were, great drops of blood fall into the ground as he is in anguish and pain. 
He knew that would happen. He knew of his rejection. He knew of his sorrow. He knew of his punishment. But yet he came anyhow. Notice verse 10. And the Bible does not paint any pretty pictures. He was in the world. And the world was made by him. And the world knew him not. He came unto his own. And his own received him not. Context, he came to the Jew. He was a Jewish heritage. He came to the Jew, and the Jew refused him. And the Jews denied him. The Jews were instrumental in his crucifixion. The Jews, his own people, rejected him. He was rejected. Matthew 1, 23 says his name shall be Emmanuel, and that is be interpreted God with us. Emmanuel was ignored. Things hadn't changed much, have they? When Jesus came to this earth, Herod hated him. The scribes ignored him. The lawyers tried to trick him. The religion killed him. Disciples denied him. And I think America is no different. We've kicked him out of schools. We've replaced him by guard dogs and drug dogs in the hallways of our school. We've taken down his commandments and put up Obama's wishes and issues instead we kicked him out of our parks we've torn down any reference to him in our public places even Baptists have taken him out of their songs dear God what in the world is going to happen the one who came to reveal God to us now is rejected. What would Jesus do if he knew how bad I needed a Savior and he came knowing that he's going to have to run me down, beat me down for me to accept him? Do you like being rejected? Nobody likes being rejected. The Word became flesh to be rejected of those who needed him most. Hmm. Man, no wonder I love him so much. Jesus saw our need. Here's the greatest news I've ever heard in my life. It's not that the Republicans have the House and the Senate. It's not that we get a chance to elect somebody else. The greatest news that I've ever had in my life 
My wife told me the other day, I was 67. That is living a long time on the earth. She gets the numbers backwards and forwards every once in a while. Let me give you the best news you ever heard. The best news. If Jesus saw that I was a sinner, separated from God because of my sin, no way to get into heaven without an atonement. If Jesus saw that, what would Jesus do? He would become flesh and die on a cross, be buried and raised the third day, and tell me, are you ready? But as many as receive him, verse 12, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. Even to those that believe on his name. Because Jesus came and became the son of God. A child of the devil is now a son of God. I don't know what else would be important to you. Most important thing to me is my sins are gone. They're gone. If we walk in the light, as he is the light, we have fellowship one with another. Watch this now. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. (laughs) How's that grab you? What would Jesus do now if he saw you in this church? Might be the first time you've been in church in a long time. You say, yes, preacher, and after I heard you, it'd be the last time I knew for a long time. That's not my intent. But what would Jesus do if he saw you sitting here this morning? And this might be the very last chance you ever get to get your relationship back with God again. What would Jesus do? He's already done it. The Word became like us that we might become the children of God. What a wonderful Wonderful thought. Behold, what manner of love the Father bestowed upon me that I should be called the sons of God. Beloved, it does not appear what we shall be. But we know when we see him We shall be made like him. He came down here and be made like us. (laughs) You ready? 
that he might save us and be like him. What would Jesus do? Oh, he would give it all up. You ain't got that right. You don't need to worry about stewardship. The question today is, what should we do? In the light of what he's done, could I suggest follow in his footsteps? If he thought you were worth suffering for don't you think he's worth suffering for if he thought you and I was worth him living for don't you think he would want us to live for him if he did not think it was robbery to be made equal with God and take upon himself the form of a servant? Why should we think it an odd thing if he should want us to be servants for him? Well, I don't know about this stewardship business. No, me neither. But you know, I did read one time, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, who though he was rich, he became poor, that we who are poor might be made rich. The question is, are you willing to ask Jesus the same question that you want to ask him? What would Jesus do? That's a good, good question, preacher. i tell you what I'd do. I'd receive Jesus Christ as my Savior today before it's too late because thereby you can leave this place a child of God. On your way to heaven, sure. And then I would follow in his footsteps.